Welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast. This is Morgan Snyder, and I have the privilege and the joy of hosting the podcast for the next two weeks. Earlier, I had the chance to sit down for a very holy and sacred conversation with my good friend and mentor, John Moorhead. John fought a very fierce battle for over a decade with lung cancer. And in March of 2015, he finally crossed over into the fullness of life. We were able to capture this conversation with our dear ally and friend right before his crossing over. John served as a father and a husband, a physician, a friend, and a mentor to many. He was a dear ally to me personally, to my family, and to the community of Ransom Heart Allies for many years. John speaks with such deep treasures that now, as we relate to him from a man who's crossed over, the treasures that he brings are even that much richer and eternal and true. I want to invite you into this holy and intimate conversation that John and I had in his last days. We originally recorded this for the Become Good Soil podcast, but as we prayed, we really sensed that there were some particular treasures in this audio for the larger community. And so let's turn to a conversation between me and John. John, before we kind of dive in, I just wanted to check in with you and just know how you're doing as it relates to kind of coming into this conversation and just anything that was on your heart for parameters or desires or boundaries. I don't have any boundaries. <laughs> awesome. You're a brave man. You're a rare that is, man. That's funny. And in the asking of that question, it's a blessing because I've never been here before. That's why my theme, just like your theme and the theme that comes from the conferences, is is that there's more. Yes. And I just want to testify to that right to my last earthly breath. Oh, John. There is more. More is more freedom. There's more life. Oh, there is. There is more freedom and more life. And I think, you know, the scene from Jerry Maguire comes to me, John, that we've watched the clip so many times together, you know, when he says, I have lost the ability to bullshit. It is yep. the me. I've always wanted to be. And that's the more. It's like, oh, they're just to peel off the layers, just to have no boundaries. Wow. Thank you. I was swept here. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> uh, I'm at a stage in my life, Morgan, where it's hard to uh, use words because of the, of the supernatural yet very real power of the love of God, not just in the big things that are always on the top of my prayer list, but in literally every circumstance of the day, every conversation. You know, when we talk, Morgan, you and I could spend a lot of time talking about Dallas Willard, who we love so much and who has said so many words to bless us. And I'll try to scatter that and not use just him. But he um, he talked about the more we look for him, the more he's there. Mm. You know, and I have found that to be true. Mm. Well, John, well, speaking of Dallas, who's been a great friend and mentor and father to both of us, we lost him in this past year. And, you know, as he neared the end of his life, you know, with regularity, he would use this phrase that was just 
very holy, awe-inspiring and disruptive where as he talked about nearing his own death, he would say, this is simply the end of my beginning. Yes. And he would say, I am nearing the end of my beginning. And I, I think it's fair and honoring to you and to anyone that would listen to this conversation to just begin the conversation with the fact is you're nearing the end of your beginning. And that's where we pick up this conversation on your life. But I think it's just important to keep that perspective in mind. Well, thank you. And uh, I mean, hallelujah. I <laughs> I read those same words from Dallas as he was nearing the end. And the biggest smile came across mm. my face. It was that bond across time and space. And I find myself in the same situation where I can listen to someone. I mean, just think about what a blessing this is. Consider the man and then consider where he is at the end of his earthly life. Mm. And he makes a statement like that. And I can say, I get that. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. I get that. Mm. And I see that. And I am giddy with joy <laughs> because we are in that together. We, we experience that. Yeah. And it waits for all of us. Oh, John, it's just amazing to be in that place. So just to name it, to back up, I mean, obviously – you haven't been in that place forever. And I know for you, 55 was a big shift into a new reality. But would you just back up and give us a context for John Moorhead and your story so that men can appreciate where you are today? Can you give a little bit of framework of the story of your heart? Sure. And thank you for asking. I am... Uh physician, which was a handicap for most of my life, although it was also a blessing, but it really developed my left brain so much that I really sat down in the idea of being able to manage life. I guess there's nothing unique about being a physician. I think a lot of people just do that, but I think it was particularly hard for me to go in a different direction. I was uh, religious, but didn't have a personal faith until uh, in 2001, and it was because of 9-11, Morgan, mm -hmm. that I showed up at the boot camp, the first boot camp. I never would have gone had it not been for 9-11. I was going to Russia on a trip, and uh, it was canceled, and I was angry, and my son threw out this book and an invitation. It ended up that he couldn't go at the end, so I went by myself, but uh, <laughs> I find it... Uh, really um, stunning to think about how something so evil and so bad could in my personal life be used for such great good and turn me in a different direction. Hmm. So at the boot camp, for the first time, I heard from God. He spoke to me personally. My heart was opened up to deal with unfinished business and the brokenness and the wounds that I had had. And I began to believe that I was, how do I say this? I began to believe that I actually had something to offer that I didn't have to pretend. But it, it was a journey, and it started there. 
And subsequent to that time, one of the things that I smile about and I've told friends about is that one of the last things that John said at the end of that boot camp with a smile on his face, he said, we sort of feel like we have to apologize because your life is about to get a lot harder. Mm -hmm. That certainly was the case. I could not have imagined. But in the adversity, in the disruption, as God called me out and up and I emerged a stronger man, everything began to change. And, oh, man, the blessedness of disruptions in our life. I just want to testify to that. Mm. Looking back, everybody has difficult times they go through. And I just want to state with everything that's in my being that God is faithful, Mm. that he uses those things. And a lot of times there isn't anything else that would work. But I might just add while I'm talking about that, the cancer was the was the big thing, and that was diagnosed in February of 2006. I went to a few events, and just a couple of months before I was diagnosed with cancer, I went to an advanced, and John invited us at the very, very beginning to to specifically ask God, what is it you want to say to each of us? And I was blown over when I heard the words, I'm greater. Mm. I was reading my journal the other day, Morgan, and what subsequently followed was some other things, including Craig got up there and said, I don't know why God wants me to say this, but the question is, are you ready to bleed? Wow. (laughs) I subsequently underwent seven surgeries. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Seven surgeries beginning then. So, yeah, it was just a flow and through the adversity and growing. I had to let go of a lot of things, Morgan. Yes. I don't want to get ahead of you here, but the truth is that we never know what life really has to offer until we manage to let go of what we believe it should offer. Mm. Mm. John, can you say that again? We never know what life really has to offer until we manage to let go of what we believe it should offer. Wow. And that's not easy because. We live in a culture of feelings, and so much of what we believe life should offer is framed by, I should feel a certain way. Hmm. And that has been the battle of my life, is to push back against that. Hmm. Hmm. And John, as you find yourself in such a different season now, and on the other side of a lot of those disruptions... What does that look like for you? Help me understand in a practical way how you push against the should so that you can receive, in fact, the supernatural reality of this love that wants to come to you, to be known, as you would say. Yeah, that's, that's really a great question. I think it's practicing living before an audience of one. Mm -hmm. I think it's continually going through the truth and sitting down in the truth that God is good and that he is for me. And most importantly, he sees and understands. He sees all of my circumstances, but more importantly, he sees the intense feelings I have out of my brokenness, how I receive experiences of life in a way that are not true. 
I perceive them through my brokenness, making assumptions about people and circumstances and myself. And the idea of just knowing that he knows and continuing to walk forward and expecting him to show up and expecting the seasons to come and go. There's no formula. Mm -hmm. It's just practicing, testing, finding him to be faithful. Mm. You've not only found him to be faithful, but in walking with you over the last decade, I've observed that you have come to know God in such a personal way. I mean, we talk about knowing God and having a relationship with God, but in you, I see this cultivation, this growing out of deep adversity and intimacy with Jesus, an intimacy in a life with and led by the Holy Spirit, and an intimacy with the Father where you truly have become the beloved son, his favorite son. I would be so honored to hear a little bit about that of how have you come to know God, particularly as Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father? You sure know me, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so honored with that question. And I have to say, first of all, again, the seed was planted. And that's why I love you all out there so much. I just want to say very briefly here how much I love you all out there, and I love your commitment to getting out the truth of the full gospel. The idea that God would be pursuing me was so beyond what I could believe 15 years ago. I would never have imagined that I would believe it, let alone experience it in such real way. But the first thing that has to happen is that it's belief, you know. It's never about what we do. Our battle is always with doubt. Mm. I just began to live as though that were true, that Mm. God was pursuing me, that as you and I have talked about so much, and as Dallas pointed out, love wants to be known. Yes. And that makes so much sense when we think about those that we love. We want people that we love to know we love them. So again, I came to the conclusion that that was true and began to walk it out. And then I was just surprised, Morgan. The biggest thing that surprised me was that God, the Father, began to show up in my prayer life in a very specific way. This had not happened before. And it was in the context of being a beloved son and receiving the love of a father that I really never received as far as a personal intimacy with my own dad. And for him to come and relate to me that way and for me to experience that allowed my heart to just flow and go through all kinds of wounds and healings and receive his love and support and affirmation, the affirmation being so important in strengthening. Mm. So he knew that I needed that and he related to me that way. I began to experience his love at the ocean and in the mountains. As I said, he would speak to me in spontaneous ways, which just would blow me away. Jesus became my companion. You know, and it's important for people to hear this because, you know, John wrote his book, Walking with God, Mm -hmm. and that opened a door 
that opened a huge door for me to walk through. And we need to talk about these things because they're real and they're available. And we needn't hold back. Jesus surprised me with his presence more than one time. You know, I told that story at the intensive about him showing up in my car and saying, let's go on a very cold, rainy morning. He wanted me to climb this peak I'd been planning on for a while. And to make a long story short, he, he guided me and he had such joy. And, mm. and when I got to the top, the sun came out and I was bawling and rejoicing and having church up there. And mm. the next day he said, you know why we did it yesterday? And the answer was, because you're stronger than you think you are. The Spirit is a wonderful mystery to me. And I'm not a theologian, Morgan, but there are experiences of vitality and joy, almost an electricity of being that is available to us in the moment simply by practicing the presence and acknowledging the truth of his presence with us. This is a terribly personal thing. It's different for everyone, I believe, based upon who they are and how God has has made them and how he's walking through life. But these moments and circumstances just build and build and build and build to the point where I've been walking two feet off the ground. I just expect them. I'm always looking for them. You know, I've mentioned a couple of stories, and I'd I could go on with many, many stories, but they're supernatural things. I mean, for crying out loud, I was over at the beach on the 4th of July and met a guy, 18 years old, and I had never seen him before. Yes. Struck up a conversation. He told me his first name. A bell went off, and I found him in the crowd later, and I said uh, to him, you may not remember this, but I met you 14 years ago. We spent an hour talking about Jesus when you were four years old, and I said, your name's in the back of my Bible. I've been praying for you for 14 years. Wow. Wow. And that's just an example. Mm. <laughs> God with us, life with us. He's always looking to show up. Mm. John, you used that phrase a couple times, love wants to be known. And I hear you saying there's just something about the Holy Spirit, like you said, that electrifying, utterly personal, utterly unique presence that is this manifestation of God's pursuit of me right here, right now, right as who I am. And like you said, even his kindness to understand that I see poorly because I see so much through my own brokenness. Yes. I hear you saying there's this fierce pursuit and that love wants to be known. Yes. But John, you said something interesting that frames all of that. You made the statement that you began to live as though you believed it before you felt it, that you made a recognition that our emotions so often are rooted and fueled by our brokenness, that they can deceive us. But instead, you dove down to this deepest level of belief and you invited God into your belief structure and you received him not as you felt him, but as he truly is, even beyond your understanding. I mean, is it accurate to say in living out those beliefs, you began to experience him in ways that you had never known? Exactly. Exactly, Morgan. And why wouldn't you do that? 
Why wouldn't you do that? Anybody with common sense can look around and see how we live in an emotion-driven culture. Truth is created by what we feel is true. And it feels so true. I mean, it does. Emotions are so powerful. But emotions are based on assumptions which come from our woundedness. And an inaccurate, and 100% of the time, it's an inaccurate and incomplete understanding of who God is. So why wouldn't you say, this is a fool's errand? Mm. And I'll just put the whole weight of my life on who God says he is, that he is good, that he is pursuing us. He has something for us that is better than we dreamed. Mm. I mean, what's the downside? Mm. (laughs) You know? Right. Well, I think one reaction to it, John, is, and it comes from a letter you wrote me when I was really struggling earlier this year. I think there's a lot of fear-based living and there's a fear-based culture out there in our spiritual life because the enemy loves to throw on a spirit of fear and then even fear of man and particularly for men. In younger men, younger kings, that's a huge piece. But in that letter you wrote to me, you said, remember, Morgan, we live in a God-bathed world. It's a safe place no matter what no matter what. And you went on to say that God will provide for you, even now using every circumstance to father you, every circumstance to help you become. He will do that for you and he'll do that for those that you love. You wrote that the world is a safe place no matter what. He will, he will work all things for good, even pressure, even fear, You can count on it. This conversation was transitioning from introduction to some real treasures God has from John's life for us. I invite you to join us next week as we unpack the treasure of the letter that John shared in some of his last days with us. And Father, I pray that your life would fill the hearts of your people this week. Father, I ask that you would lead us into the places that we have chosen safety out of risking living in such a way where you have to show up. God, would you show us the more that you're inviting us into? Would you show us what you are accessing through this podcast to lead us into more, call us into more, and show us the more that you have that you are making available in you, and with you, and through you. I ask that your life would flood and fill the hearts of your people this day and this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.